Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. On this episode, we're going to talk some Marvel with Caleb and Luke. Hello, Caleb. Hello. Hello, Luke. Who would win in a fight, a rhinoceros or a thousand seagulls? Seagulls. You say seagulls? There's a thousand of them. Yeah, and the, the, the rhinoceros really can't defend itself too much against the seagulls. Do you understand how big a rhinoceros is? But the rhinoceros doesn't even have thumbs. Yeah, but it could stomp on ten of them at once. If but there's ever, a thousand of them. If they ever so they have like, to stop flying. There's a thousand times. of them, and they have the high ground. Yeah, but they're also seagulls. Right, but have you? Seagulls are vicious. And rhinos aren't. I think that that rhinos are a noble creature. You know, I was just going to argue the other side, no matter what you said. So, what's your answer? Uh, I don't know. Whatever's more controversial. Well, I'm going to go with the seagulls. That's fair. Caleb, you're going with the seagulls. Yes, but I also think She-Hulk would win. Speaking of She-Hulk, so yeah, that's going to be something we talk about. But let's start off by talking about this um, Disney advertising show. I can't remember what the term is that they used, but Disney had a uh, presentation for their advertisers in New York this week. And uh, Kevin Feige was there. Kevin Feige came out and he made a presentation from Marvel. Where was our invite? I think... It got lost in the mail. We advertise for them all the time. We do. We do a good job, too. Thank you. So if you're listening, uh, Disney and Kevin Feige, uh, please invite us to the next show. Actually, we are invited to the next show because it's Star Wars Celebration and we're going to be there. Woo. That's just not Marvel. That's a whole other world. But we'll get there. We'll get to We'll get to that later. So, yeah, he came out and he actually presented a poster for She-Hulk. And a trailer, uh, amongst other things. But first, let's start out with that. So uh, we got to see the trailer for She-Hulk. What did you guys think? I love that we get to see more goofy Banner. He's not Bruce. He's not Hulk. He, he's both. I, that's that's my favorite version of him because it's nothing we've ever seen before. Yeah, he is. He's, he's just enough of a freak show to be so entertaining and, and funny, right? And they do him so well. I forgot that he was going to be even a part of the show. So when I heard his voice and saw him in the trailer, it was a really nice surprise. Because um, any time we can get smart Hulk, I'm happy. Luke, what did you think? Yeah, I totally forgot he was going to be in it too. But it makes a lot of sense. Even if he's in it in a small, co- in a small capacity, um, I see it as an absolute win. <laughs> yes, I like what you did there. Uh, I, I, I'm under the impression of, and I'm not... Absolutely positive, but I believe they're cousins. So they're related. Luke, do you know for sure? I don't know because there's so many different versions. Oh, okay. So, so if, maybe... they're, if they're cousin Hulks, does that mean there's like a father and uncle Hulk? I don't know if they're going to explore this in the show, the but I certainly planet. hope so. The there's pla- a whole planet? Planet Hulk. What? Yeah. Yeah. There's a comment called Planet Hulk. Yeah. There's Auntie Hulk. Grandma Hulk. Grandma Hulk. Well, yeah. I would pay to see that. Just don't start talking about Shark Hulk. And Grandma Shark and Baby Shark. <laughs> <laughs> See, got you there, got you there. Uh, but I enjoyed the tone of the of the the trailer. It seems like it's going to be a really different show, right? So first of all, it seems like it's based in Los Angeles, so that's cool because we live here. So we'll, maybe we'll get to spot some fun landmarks and whatnot. Uh, I enjoy the fact that she's a lawyer, and then also it references something about how they have come up with like a, a lawyer team 
for superhumans. So we're yeah. getting into some incredible areas, right? Like the Incredibles. So that's sort of fun. That's a different dimension of the MCU, right? I like it. I also like that you said we live in Los Angeles. You live in Los Angeles. I live in the moment. Okay. <laughs> I hate shows and movies that take place in L.A. Why? Because it doesn't represent L.A. nearly enough. There are not nearly as many homeless people. There is way <laughs> less traffic. It is way cleaner. That is not what L.A. is like. It's for those like of an you who idealized version of Los Angeles. But I've been but to New nothing, York. But, but with the New York that we see in TV shows and movies, it's not New York either. I, I don't know. It's, it's a little more accurate. We've been to New York, and I did not see the Avengers Tower. So no, That's fair. So your that's theory well, is fair. kaputs. That's kaputs. Uh, yeah, but it does look fun. This looks fun. This looks like a fun show. It looks like um, something that's completely different. Like we have a superhero that's uh, swiping right on, what is that app? That that dating app. Tinder. I don't know. It's supposed to, the, one of these dating apps. And then she's going on this date. <laughs> I love how she's picking up her date and walking through her living room. That's hilarious. But uh, yeah, it, it looks like a fun time. How many episodes is this supposed to be? That leads me to another one of my points. Kevin Feige shared some information about She-Hulk and the fact that it's going to be nine episodes. Oh, wow. So we're going to have nine episodes, and it starts on August 17th. So next up, we have Miss Marvel. And then I think that one's six episodes. Correct me if I'm wrong. But then after that, we've got Thor Love and Thunder. And then after that, it seems that uh, She-Hulk will be right on the doorstep, ready to go for nine episodes. And then, gosh, that's over two months. So the next movie after that, if they haven't changed anything, is going to be the next Black Panther movie, Wakanda Forever. So we have a, a steady a steady flow of Marvel sh- content, it uh, looks like, for the rest of the year. So uh, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you guys ready for She-Hulk? Uh, where, where are you guys at with it? Um... I think I would put it on a 7 to 8 scale just because I'm a big Marvel fan. But because of my lack of understanding and, and knowledge when it comes to it, my my excitement level isn't through the roof. But because it's unique, you haven't seen She-Hulk in any other capacity in this version of Marvel, not just the comics, um, it brings my excitement level up. Cool. Luke? Uh, like 6 or 7. 6 or 7? Yeah, I'm not like... I'm not as excited as I was for WandaVision or Loki or any of the like bigger movies that came out. But I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be different, which will make it fun. But I think that when they try to do different things, it doesn't usually tie in as much. Mm-hmm. With the exception of like WandaVision. But like Hawkeye was different, and mm-hmm. that didn't really tie into much. Black Widow was sort of different, didn't really tie into much, you know? I had a question, actually, that came up as a result of this this trailer because we see smart Hulk, right? That's Bruce Banner and Hulk. They've found their happy place, but his arms are okay. Yeah. Right. But then when we see him in the post credit scene, um, okay, hold on. Spoilers for Shang-Chi in case you haven't seen the post credit scene for Shang-Chi. I mean, it was like eight months ago, so I'm hoping you have, but he's in the post credit scene with Wong and with Shang-Chi when they're looking at the, at the rings and he's Bruce Banner. He's not Smart Hulk. He's Bruce Banner. But he's got his arm in the sling. 
so I'll be interested to see if they even pay any attention to that or if that's just me looking too closely at things. And what do you guys think? I don't know. Um, I completely forgot about that. Yeah. But I don't know. The the problem that Marvel has created for themselves, which may be intentional, is I can't think of anything in Marvel without saying, what if it's a multiverse version of them? It, oh, that's, sure. That was my thought, too, was like, is this even like the regular Earth that we yeah. live in? or What's real? To... Yeah, It's a really good point and something that I think should be considered from going here on out because I do know that that is some people's complaints with the multiverse of madness and blowing the whole storyline out into the multiverse. But, you know, we're going to get into more general Phase 4 stuff in a little bit. So let's, let's put a pin in that discussion. But it's a really good point. Uh, one other thing about the She-Hulk trailer that um, that I wanted to bring up before we move on is that it got 78 million views in 24 hours, which is wonderful, which seems like there's a lot of excitement and interest in the show. And rightly so, because it is something completely different. It's not a character that I'm familiar with whatsoever, um, and I don't know a ton of comics anyway, but I do know that she's extremely popular so it'll be interesting to see and fun to experience her story on a, on a, in a live action way. I like that she's an attorney, and I already told you this, but I want Daredevil to be in it so bad because he's also an attorney, but that's just wishful thinking on my part. So you are wanting a superhero team of superhero attorneys? Yes. Led by She-Hulk and Daredevil? Absolutely. I would watch that. Yeah, but no action, just in the courtroom the entire time. Just a legal drama. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's Marvel. Do it. Like Sign- Judge Judy. Yes. Oh, should I up. should I say do it? <laughs> Sorry, wrong property again. Wrong universe. Wrong universe. Um there was some interesting facts that Kevin Feige also shared about Loki. And I know we're big fans of Loki here, so I wanted to make sure that we talked a little bit about it. Uh the first one that jumped out to me was that Loki is the most viewed Marvel Disney Plus show of the six Marvel Disney Plus shows. Uh-huh. So, of course, Moon Knight is very new, so hasn't had the time to rack up the views. But Loki was definitely not the first. Was it, was it the third series that came out after Falcon Winter Soldier, if I'm remembering correctly? Something along those lines. But at any rate, it is the most viewed show uh, on uh, Disney Plus for Marvel. Uh, fun fact, the most viewed show of all Disney Plus shows is, want to guess? Uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. The Mandalorian. Oh. <laughs> the Mandalorian. Um, another fun fact about Loki is that it's going to go into production for season two in a couple weeks. So season two and all the cast members are returning. So no worries about... Anybody coming back, any kind of cast changes, anything like that. So we're looking like Loki season two is going to be um, hitting the ground running and we should be getting it probably next year sometime. Good. Yeah, it is good. That's good news because uh, you never know, you know, you never know. Um, so there was something that he said that Kevin Feige said that sort of got my my wheels turning here and I wanted to talk to you guys about it. He said something along the lines of now finally... Seeing the results of this interconnectivity between Disney Plus and the feature films. So he was talking about Doctor Strange and he was talking about the connection that it has with WandaVision. And my question for you guys was now that, you know, we've talked about Strange, we've seen the movie, 
we've talked about WandaVision, we've we've talked about Phase Four shows and movies. Do you guys now having seen the the movie, you know, about a week or so ago, and had some time to digest it? Do you guys think that Doctor Strange two really was connected in a in a like a close connection with WandaVision? I think it tied in just enough and straight away just enough. I don't think it needed to be watched by the masses to understand the movie, but if you watched the show, you definitely got more of an understanding of the capacity and the lengths that Wanda was willing to go to be with her children, to be with Vision, and to, as she said, to be happy. Mm -hmm. So you got to see her, her children in the most recent Doctor Strange film, but not in the same lengths as the show where she had given them powers and she'd got to see her brother and things along those lines, which weren't necessary to be known, but it definitely gives you more of a, a tie-in, if you will. Okay. Luke, what do you think? I don't think you have to, but it helps. Mm-hmm. Um, because you can look at it like she just went crazy because the dark hold right right or you can say the dark hold helped make her a little bit more extreme but she was already down that path as you can see in wandavision right so i think it makes it more enjoyable but i don't think it's completely necessary which is probably smart because as much as disney has a chokehold on the entertainment industry not everyone's gonna watch every marvel thing especially when it comes to the shows. Sure. They'll just show up to watch a movie or something like that. Mm -hmm. I also feel like the Darkhold is much more explained because before Wanda Vision, the show, mm -hmm. there was no Scarlet Witch. Right. So you get to see the dawn of the Scarlet Witch in her show, and you get to see her get her hands on the Darkhold, and you get to see... I'm forgetting her name. The purple Agatha. witch. Agatha. Agatha. You get, to see, you get to see Agatha full-on say this is like the birth of the Scarlet Witch. Right. So there's definitely this um, this prophecy of Scarlet Witch that's been uh, brought up over WandaVision as well as Doctor Strange. My my thoughts on it were a little bit different because I guess, I guess it didn't have to connect in this way because I don't think it really did at all. But what I mean is in WandaVision... The whole thing is her dealing with trauma, right? The whole thing is her dealing with grief over losing vision. She was in love with vision. She loved him with, you know, with all of her heart. He, she lost him. And WandaVision was a really interesting take on how to overcome grief and loss. I feel like through WandaVision, she did come to a place of comfort and understanding and the ability to move on after losing vision. Uh, I remember that the final scene between he and her talking in their living room as like the whole uh, Westview is, is literally leaving, you know, she's, she's letting it all break down. And I felt like they ended in a really good place. And I felt like Wanda left off in a really good place. Now through that process, she lost her children and I don't think that she was, that she, uh, she definitely didn't deal with that trauma in the show because it's literally at the end of the show when all that happens. 
So they put in that post-credit scene where we see Wanda outside of her cabin, and then we we have the camera pan in and see Wanda as the full Scarlet Witch studying and speed reading the Darkhold, right? So I just felt like if you watched Endgame, you watched Infinity War, you watched Endgame, you didn't watch WandaVision, and then you watched Doctor Strange... They did do a pretty good job of explaining, like, who are these kids? <laughs> How did this happen? Because through some exposition, they did talk about uh, Westview and Doctor Strange was talking to her about that and that he wasn't there to, to deal with that and whatnot. But I don't know that the themes that WandaVision explored were really carried on in any way into Doctor Strange. Um, so was it connected? Yeah, but was it, like... Was Doctor Strange informed by WandaVision? I don't really think so. Like the the themes that WandaVision ex- explored, especially about grief and loss and overcoming that, uh, certainly wasn't. Yeah, I'd agree. And Vision isn't even referenced in Doctor Strange, is he? Not a, Well, she mentions him only when she, she tells him that, when she tells Doctor Strange that his decision cost Vision's Life and needlessly, right? She said something to do with, uh, you made me rip, you know, blow his the the top of his head off or something like that. But she definitely blamed Strange for what she feels was Vision's needless death. So even there, with that one line, it sort of shows, is she really over the the loss of Vision? And I thought that she really was as a result of WandaVision. So it's it's an interesting parallel. And then I, I did see that uh, Sam Raimi, the director of Doctor Strange, he actually he said publicly he didn't watch WandaVision. So I don't know how informed he was of the show. So I'm, I'm sure he didn't go into it completely yeah, blind. There's no way. I honestly think that's an interesting dynamic, though, knowing that he didn't create the show knowing that information or the movie knowing the information from the show because mm-hmm. now he's using what he needs to know to inform the people who need to understand her her background because like you said if you just go from the cinematic version not with the background of the show you just think like what in the world happened to her right right like you you get to see like she's she's destroyed because she no longer has her love in her life yeah but you get to see like her growth past that, and then now she's sort of just regressed. Right. So, it, I mean, I have no issues with Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. It was a fun, entertaining movie. I, I don't really, story-wise, I don't even think I have any issues with how they used Wanda because they did put the Darkhold dynamic in there. A, a coworker of mine sent me a text and asked me, so is Wanda good or bad? And my answer pretty much was, Wanda, I think, is is good. Scarlet Witch, not so much. Um, but it's the Darkhold yeah. that really complicates everything. And whether that's um, a nuanced point of storytelling or not, that's up to the person to watch it. Uh, it was definitely convenient. It was an easy way to make her evil and make her the villain. And I really enjoy Wanda as a character, so it was, it was a. I had to wrap my head around the fact that they were making her the main villain of the movie. But you know, the Darkhold was the the convenient way to do that. So, at any rate, um, we'll see where the rest of the shows, if they ever connect further down, uh, with other movies. I can't imagine that they won't because they're doing so many things in these shows, right? Uh, that they're gonna start 
connecting in, and even if it's in minor ways to movies. So that leads me to my next, my next question for you guys. Uh, and that is phase four in general. Uh, a couple episodes ago, we talked about, we ranked our, our favorite or our most rewatchable Disney plus shows. Then we did the same thing with the phase four movies. But tell me what your guys' general impressions, your feelings are about Phase 4 in general. So we've got, what, four movies and six shows? Five movies and six shows? What do you think about Phase 4 in general? It is so hard to come off of like a cinematic conclusion like Endgame, where you have every hero even Howard the Duck <laughs> in it um, and sort of try and beat that and continue to Im- impress the fans and continue a great story and things like that. So I think they've done a good job in introducing new characters and having us sort of fall in love with new characters while still giving further insight and backstory to characters we've already begun to enjoy and some love. Um, so I think it's a really good balance between... Um, introducing new characters like She-Hulk, right? Yeah. I don't know her well enough. Yeah. So I'm going to be introduced to her in the fall and summer, whatever you would consider August. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's also um, not trying to like sort of shove it down your throat. It's like, hey, move on. We're in a new phase. There's right. these new characters. Get with it. So I, I like the new introductions while not trying to just go over the top and try and beat Endgame with every show or every movie or every character. So I like it. Yeah. That's good to hear. Luke? So looking at this list of all the Phase 4 projects that have come out and how many will be coming out, it seems like we're over halfway through it. Right. And it feels like we're sort of at a crossroads with it because some of the top phase four projects have been some of my favorite marvel shows and movies like which ones like loki doctor strange um spider-man no way home Mm -hmm. of course but there have been a couple where i've i probably will never rewatch them Mm -hmm. and i guess if you use a lot of averages then you know it's pretty solid but i think that with the next couple shows and movies that are going to come out, I think it's really going to make or break Phase 4 because I think that it really had the potential to be the craziest phase that we've had. Right. But it, like you said, Caleb, it's so hard to live up to Endgame and Infinity War and all that because it was just the conclusion of so many stories. But when you have so many things and so much raw potential, like you have a, a Spider-Man movie with two other Spider-Man in it, mm-hmm. right? And then Thor Love and Thunder has been gaining traction like crazy. The hype around Doctor Strange was crazy, right? But I feel like it's sort of starting to fade out a little bit. What do you mean by fade out a little bit? I don't think people are as excited for some of the Marvel projects that as they were before. Oh, like, like in Phase 3, for example? Well, like even in when they announced that they were going to be making another Black Panther movie... People were freaking out, and I haven't heard anyone talk about that in yeah. a long time. There hasn't been a lot of a lot of talk about the new Black Panther movie, the third Ant Man movie, Quantum Mania. People were freaking out about that. 
haven't heard much. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, I haven't heard much. Do you think that, um, well, there was some Guardians of the Galaxy news in uh, that James Gunn helped uh, put out there this past week or the week before because they finished filming it. So he uh, had an emotional tweet saying goodbye because this is going to be his last film, apparently, uh, in the Guardians um, property. Oh, wow. uh, yeah, so do you think that some of what you're saying is is a byproduct of the pandemic? Probably. I mean, the entertainment industry took a really big hit. Um, but, see, I don't know, because The Mandalorian didn't lose hype because of the pandemic. That's a good point. It's fair. Um, I think it's a little oversaturated right now. So you think there's too much Marvel, you think? Maybe. I mean, I, I love it. I enjoy it. But I think it's I don't think it's really messing with the quality. I don't think like having sure. this many shows and movies coming out is ruining the quality. No, definitely. But I feel like people aren't caring as much because like why am I gonna care about Hawkeye when I have Spider Man coming mm. out? Right? Why am I gonna talk about Shang Chi when a couple months later um, or like a year later, Doctor Strange comes out, mm-hmm. and then you know why am I going to talk about Miss Marvel when Thor: Love and Thunder is going to come out? Um, well, I mean the box office for the, especially No Way Home, uh, definitely shows that the interest is is at an all time high. But you don't know if it's because it's a Phase Four movie or if it's a, if it's a event, a milestone for Spider-Man, right? Because yeah, yeah. everybody had the... we They knew going into it that the Spider-Man villains from across the three different um, Spider-Man properties were going to be in it. So everybody was... I personally didn't know and, and was wonderfully surprised when we saw the other Spider-Man in there. But um, I'm sure some people were going to see because they were hoping beyond hope that that was going to actually happen. Yeah. Uh, so that definitely helped that, that property... Um, but I, but even Doctor Strange is doing wonderfully in the box office. So it's hard to gauge the shows because we don't get box office numbers. We don't really get a lot of streaming numbers either. Uh, I, at least if they're out there, I don't I don't see them. So and and there isn't a lot of conversation about it. Every so often you'll get a comment from an executive saying how well a show is doing and whatnot. But it's not something that you can track week to week like we can with movies. So it's a little easier, I think. Um, I, I see what you're saying, Luke. I, I think that the interest is there, and I think that... Um, I don't know if it's... if It's it's interesting. It's it's I guess the Phase 4 for me is just a little bit weird, right? And it's not a bad thing. It's just a little bit weird because you mentioned it. Both of you said, you know, we're, we're looking at this list, and we are halfway through Phase 4. And one of the things that Marvel always did was share with us when we could expect a phase to be pretty much over, right? Because, of course, phase one was just getting rolled out, right? We had Iron Man that took the world by storm and really made this entire thing uh, possible. We didn't even know what they were trying to accomplish. Uh, we had a hint of it with uh, the post credit scene with Nick Fury showing up, right? Yeah. And, of course, that gets everybody hyped up. Like, but But nothing like this had ever been done. So it was all sort of like hoping. 
Uh, so then we had, you know, basically the introductions to the big three with Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, and then it capped off with the Avengers, yeah. which was nothing like any anybody had ever, no one had seen a superhero team up movie like that before. I think that's the most difficult thing about comparing the phases mm-hmm. and like the hype around it is because you sort of go like deaf to the noise because it's just been at this all time high like Marvel, Star Wars, Disney as a whole is at the top of the charts always. Yeah. There's rarely ever any flops or hate or things along those lines. Of course, you'll have your haters and everything. Sure. But when you're at the top of the, the, the charts every single time, it sort of becomes the norm. So if something deviates from the norm, good or bad, mm-hmm. it's a very, very big thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're trying to compare characters that we don't know, like America Chavez or right. Ms. Marvel mm-hmm. or even Captain Marvel at the time to mm-hmm. Iron Man and Hulk and these well-known household names, if you will, mm-hmm. whether you're a child or a full-grown adult, you know those names because they were action figures for them. They mm-hmm. were just well-known all over the board. Right. So when you're comparing them, it's hard to say, yeah, I love this character if you don't have any real thing. That's what I think I like ab- about Phase 4 the most is the introduction. introduction Man, I'm struggling with that word. <laughs> introduction. Introduction yeah. <laughs> uh, to these new characters, and eventually we'll see if they're loved or whether they're just sort of in the, the phased out, if you will. I think it's a really good point. I think it's a really good point because there is so so much new content, right? We are getting to know so many new characters where the first, if we want to call it the Infinity Saga, so the first three, the first three phases of this, we... It all hinged on Iron Man, Thor, Captain America, Black Widow, Hawkeye, Hulk. All of those introductions came by the first Avengers movie, right? And by the first Avengers movie... Or including the first Avengers movie. Um, By the first Avengers movie, you know who Thanos is. You know who they're going to end up fighting. Right now, there's no real villain that everybody needs to defeat that's also a good point luke were you gonna say something well phase one phase two and phase three even if it isn't the last movie one of the final movies is an avengers movie and that's that i was gonna be a a point that i was gonna make too yeah phase one or first avengers second one age of ultron Mm -hmm. third one you have infinity war and endgame Mm -hmm. and and something i think that is important about that is that Marvel would announce these movies, and even though release dates may be changed, some things may be adjusted on the fly, we knew Phase 1 was going to end with Avengers. We knew that Phase 2 was going to sort of end with a, with another Avengers movie, but we knew Ant-Man was going to come after it. I remember the conversation being around Ant-Man was, was that is this the beginning of Phase 3, or what's the deal? And then yeah. they... They made it clear that Ant-Man was sort of like the Intro. the epilogue to Phase Two. Right. It was the right? same thing with Far From Home, because Far From Home came yes. out after. Exactly Endgame. right. Exactly right. But the capstone, the culmination of these phases, was always an Avengers movie. And I just wonder if the lack of an announced Avengers movie makes Phase Four. I know it makes me wonder, like, wow, how long is this going to go on, yeah. right? What are because, they working towards? Yeah, what is it moving towards? And we, we know now that the multiverse is sort of the driving force, but we don't know who be who is behind the driving force. We don't know, we don't know a lot. But 
I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Yeah, I would agree. I think the anticipation builds up, whether it's underlying or just right in your face, because eventually there will be a villain that everybody needs to team up to defeat, whether they're titled under the Avengers or whatever right. that it is. Sure. They need to team up and beat that, and Marvel does a good job of like drop it, dropping hints here and there where the nerds will pick it up and spread it to the masses, whatever it is, mm -hmm. and then ultimately it'll get there. But I think if Phase 4 is just a bunch of build-up and introduction, they'll do something big, maybe if they call it Phase 5 or whatever whatever they call right. it. Um, but I think that's why I like it so much is because you don't have that thing you're waiting for at the end. You're just yeah. sort of enjoying the ride. Right. It is It is definitely, this This more than any other phase, I think, of the MCU definitely is more about the journey than the destination. Yeah. Because we don't know what the destination is yet, quite yet. And, you know, we've got things that are announced with even release dates, maybe not as many of the, the Disney Plus as the movie side of things, but, you know, going beyond into next year, the Marvels is being made. Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Blade has been announced, but we don't have a lot of information about that. Fantastic Four has been announced. We don't have a lot of information about that. Um, there's also a Disney Plus show, Secret Invasion, uh, that's been, I think it's filming now. And it's there's so much going on. And I think as long as your expectations are tempered towards like the things that we're talking about, I think you can enjoy it. I think it can be just as much fun as a phase one. It's almost like a beginning of a phase one, but blown out to massive proportions because not everybody knew what was going on in phase one until really the Avengers. Yeah. When they sort of made it a look, hey, look, we're bringing aliens into this very grounded world that we've built. So we started to know, OK, well, this is starting to get epic. Yeah. Right. Where you, before we didn't quite know that. When you're getting into the numbers that movies are competing with, like all time viewership you know you can't ever go back to like a phase one sort of like rebuild of a fan a franchise yeah so you have to sort of like set your your foundation which i would consider phase four doing while still having amazing movies and shows yeah um but not trying to outdo the phases prior i think they're doing a good job so far yeah i agree it's, it's been a blast and uh, wherever it goes the ride has been a lot of fun you know the great movie vacation the the Chevy Chase version the Chevy or the, Chase. Yes, the okay Chevy Chase. Yeah. well this analogy works either way this sort of feels like Endgame was Wally World mm -hmm. and now we're headed back home okay and we might have a little bit of fun along the way <laughs> but it's probably not going to be as fun as Wally World right so it feels I like, like it. we're sort of you know the journey to the destination was great. The destination was great, and we're going to try to make it fun on the way back home, but probably not going to be as fun because you know that the destination... Well, you don't know what the destination is right now, Right. but the bar is so incredibly high. Right. And one of the things that, that you guys brought up, and I really liked the point, was that it, it hasn't compromised quality. Yeah. Right? The, the, the storytelling is still excellent. The quality of the... Disney Plus shows or the movies are excellent. So we might be experiencing some confusion right now as a as a fan base. Doesn't mean that the product that they're turning out is subpar in any way. Because if anything, it's getting better. Yeah. I think you have to compare it um, as a time commitment. Because with all the movies up to Endgame, 
people were anticipating, oh my God, let's go to the movies. We're going to sit here for an hour and a half to three hours <laughs> yeah. just to enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. And then boom, we're going to talk about it until the next one. Mm-hmm. Or rewatch it when it comes out on Blu-ray or now streaming services. While well, now you have shows that coming out weekly. So mm-hmm. you, it's, it's still going to like minute wise going to equate or just exceed a full movie by a little bit here and there but you have to wait six weeks Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't like watching shows when they're not concluded people will wait until the sixth week and And then binge them sure and in phase one if you if we could go back and watch the first iron man movie i wouldn't think that you would ever see a, a superman superhero of any kind show yeah and right especially from marvel because it just had never been really done before yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think that that is that that is you have to keep that in the conversation too how much the Disney Plus streaming shows have changed the MCU because we, before we had the Netflix show, the show I'm sorry, the Netflix shows, uh but that was never really clear if they were connected or not. They they did make some references to movies, but the new the movies never referenced the shows. Agents of Shield, um uh Agent Carter, these were all shows but they were more traditional, not the Netflix, but the but the Agents of Shield and, and Peggy Carter. They were more the traditional weekly network television show, yeah. right? Where they had seasons. It wasn't the Disney Plus or the streaming style now. So the Disney Plus shows have definitely changed everything. And for in a really, really good way. But I do think that it seems like we're all as a fan base sort of adjusting to this new way of uh you know almost like 365 days a year marvel storytelling yeah and i'm not complaining about it one bit because you know i get to talk to you guys about it we get to have wonderful week after week episodes of new heroes and it's 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 a blast it's a blast so i do uh i do appreciate and enjoy the conversation that we have about these kinds of things and if it weren't for those disney plus shows hey what would we have to talk about on our podcast every week oh that's right star wars (laughs) (laughs) my hope with all of this is just they don't jump the shark that's my only hope i have no expectations i'm just enjoying the ride i just hope they don't try and jump the shark glad you brought up star wars because i sort of feel like that's the perfect example um how many star wars shows have we had Right, Mandalorian and uh, Boba Fett. Book of Boba Fett. Um, now we're getting a Bad Batch. The Bad Batch, yeah. Um, Clone Wars Season 7. There's way less Star Wars content than there is Marvel content. Sure. And I know Marvel puts up better numbers, but the hype train behind anything Star Wars, I feel like it's bigger than Marvel, and maybe it's just because like I pay more attention to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. But... I mean, the hype going into The Mandalorian, season one was kind of weird, but season two, I've never seen anything like it. The hype was like endgame level. Right. With how everyone knew about Grogu, at the (laughs) very least, right? Yeah. And the hype around uh, the Book of Boba Fett was huge. The hype around um, Kenobi, Mm. it's bigger than the hype of any Disney Plus show, and probably bigger than a lot of the Marvel movies. It's massive. And I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah, it's great. But And I think there's a direct correlation of how few shows there are. And, like, there's no... 
real date for new Star Wars movies coming out. Right. So there's more anticipation because there's less coming out. You have less to consume, and you pay more attention to that. It's an interesting point because I think with Star Wars over the last over the 45 years of its history it's it has benefited from where it's given us you know from 77 to 83 it's given us three movies but then it went away for 16 years you know as far as films go then 99 to 2005 we got three more movies and then it went away again no there were no movies on the horizon we got the clone wars which was fun and which was good but that was the only thing on the on the on the Star Wars radar, right? And then Disney bought Lucasfilm, and then we got even though we got from 2015 to 2019, we got a new animated series, we got three new movies. There was more Star Wars in those four years than there had been over the almost over the history of it, right? But even then, it was timed so well that it was like. I mean, I said three movies. We actually got five movies because of Rogue One and, and Solo. So more Star Wars than ever in that four-year, five-year period. But it was always in a way where less is more. Because with Star Wars, it always seems like less is more. When they, like when we're coming up on a Kenobi, people are going, you know, we're now frothing, right? We're ready. We'll give us this show. Because we haven't had a ton of Star Wars, especially in movie theaters. So it's an interesting point. And with Marvel... Marvel has had three movies a year for how many years? Three movies a year. There's, there's a lot of movies. Yeah, there's way more Marvel movies in way less time yeah. than there are Star Wars movies. And it's really interesting because I don't think it's compromised the quality or it's definitely not uh, hurt its popularity because it doesn't. it's nothing but getting more and more popular. So. And I think that might have to do with it, though. Sure. Because if every movie you're going to make is going to get over $500 million, yeah. why wouldn't you put out four or five movies a year? Yeah, yeah. And, right? and they they have cracked the code on how to have this massive long story, long form storytelling. And it's, uh, it's pretty, sure. it's pun intended, marvelous. Nice. <laughs> and on that note, we'll go ahead and end the episode. So thank you guys for this wonderful discussion. And um, hey, we're now a week away from Star Wars Celebration. So uh, tie your shoes and strap on your backpack and fill it full of snacks because we're going to hit the ground running. Get some Dr. Scholes. And thank you guys uh, for joining us. And thank all of you for spending some time listening to The Colby Cast. You can find The Colby Cast on Twitter and Instagram at The Colby Cast. If you're wordy, like me, you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby Cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, Donkey. That'll do.